0: Getting lost in the music is great, except if you're driving. Nissan's available Intelligent Safety Shield technologies could help you avoid bad drivers. Hurry into your local Nissan store and get great offers during the Safety Today event. Or shop ChooseNissan.com today. Now, back to the music. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to my weekly From My Mama's Kitchen talk radio show. My guest for this morning is Linda Ignace. She is the co-author of The Ramayana, a new retelling of Valmiki's ancient epic. Linda and I will be discussing her life's journey as a writer into all things sustainable, as well as the beautiful Ramayana. Good morning, Linda. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning?
1: Oh, I'm doing great, and it's really a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Johnny.
0: Wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me. The new version of the Ramayana is a delightful read. You and your co author did a beautiful work in retelling a timeless classic. So, congratulations to you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It was certainly a a labor of love.
0: It was beautifully written, and there's a lot of heart and passion, and it really shows your skill for writing. Thank you. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment.
1: <laughs> All right. I, um, Well, I was a shy child. Uh, I grew mm-hmm. up in in Illinois, Naperville, Illinois, in a deep uh, woods. We, uh, my family, we lived in this beautiful climax oak forest, and that was quite a sanctuary for me, because I just mainly liked to read. I was an introvert. Um, I liked to write, but it was difficult for me in a lot of ways because what I would feel on the inside and think on the inside, I wasn't able to bring out to the outside. Mainly, it was a struggle, mainly due to uh, you know too many thoughts or uh, just uh, fear or um, foggy thinking, that kind of thing. And so there was this struggle to realize myself as a writer sort of going on. And then also there was um, this this desire for spirituality. Um, my family was not religious or spiritual. I sought out religious and spiritual um, experiences of my own. I joined a club called the Pioneer Girls, which was kind of, a I think, a in a way, a fundamentalist Christian club, and it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. We learned Bible stories. It gave me a feeling of community. Um, I I tried to join the Knights of Columbus. At one time, take a course from them to learn Catholicism, because that was my father's religion before he Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, moved away from it. But I just uh, was looking. And then, really, when I was 19, I started the Transcendental Meditation Technique. This was in 1971. And, uh, uh, And that's when... Or 1972, and that's when everything started to happen for me, both in terms of fulfilling my desire as a writer, by making me feel um, um, think more clearly, helping me to think more clearly, to get more rest, and to realize. In, so that now I don't have any writer's block after all these years of practicing transcendental meditation twice a day, and also it helped me find a spiritual community. And uh, I live here in um university of management where um Mm -hmm. i with my husband tom and we both teach here and uh right here and basically we've lived our whole lives um you know pursuing our own desire to gain enlightenment and also Mm -hmm. helping others
0: when did you decide to pursue the life of conscious living
1: well i would say that um you know as i said i kind of had this desire all along. And then when I started the t- Transcendental Meditation Technique when I was 19, it really fulfilled those desires for my spiritual path. I felt like I had found what I was looking for. That, you know, because each day, twice a day, I, um, you know, t- transcend through this technique and experience this beautiful field of, of wholeness, of of transcendental consciousness, which is that field of bliss, happiness, power, intelligence creativity that's inside every one of us and i had mm-hmm. been so wanting that experience and this gave me that experience every day twice a day and so i just like was able to to fulfill that so so at that point i think was a big huge turning point in my life but then you know i was in college i you know mm-hmm. finished my college education but then i became a teacher of the transcendental meditation technique and that was another huge turning point. And then when I moved here to um to Marcia University of Management in Fairfield, Iowa, where I was with this whole community of of people who practice TM. The, our university here is actually fully accredited mm-hmm. through the PhD level, but but everybody here practices TM like the students, the faculty, the staff. So they're all, you know, on the same path. And so mm-hmm. being in this This community was, I think, really the whole kind of uh, culmination of my search for spirituality and was the biggest turning point of all, I think.
0: (laughs) Very interesting. In your experience with conscious living, do you find that everyone has their own path that they experience that beautiful sort of inner peace and inner perspective about their own lives?
1: Well, certainly we see that 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 there are so many people seeking this in 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 this world, and it's becoming more and more uh, you know people are becoming more and more awake to their own own um, you know inner potential and they're doing that through many different paths. I myself have practiced the TM technique as I told you, and uh, for me it's like conscious i would say it's more like consciousness living that's how I would describe it consciousness living because it's not so much um, that, you know, I, I go around in thinking in my mind, you know, I want to be conscious or something. It's more that just I experience this state of samadhi, as it's called in the Vedic texts of India, um, this quiet inner state. And then when I come out into activity, I I carry some of that with me. And so eventually by going between, you know, that very deep state Mm -hmm. and then acting very deep state, we start to establish more and more of that quietness in my mind all of the time. It's just with me all of the time. And it's not like I'm thinking about it. Um, It's Mm -hmm. just it's there. It's there spontaneously, and I think that's really uh, a key thing about um, this path that I'm on, and that is Mm -hmm. that um, it happens spontaneously. You don't have to think about it all day long. You just experience it, and then you begin to live it more and more every day spontaneously.
0: Very interesting. So how did your personal enlightenment in terms of having and experiencing this wonderful peacefulness looking at the things that you like to do led you to make a difference in our society and culture?
1: Well, that's a really beautiful question. Um, And I think that anyone who's on a spiritual path, they find that as they experience more and more growth of consciousness themselves, as they grow toward enlightenment, that they naturally want to help other people. They they think, "Wow, I'm experiencing this incredible inner life and it's helping me in my outer life as well. It's making my outer life, you know, uh, vibrate with with happiness and and peacefulness and bliss and I want to share this with other people I want to make a difference in this world and I think that's a natural impulse of anyone who's on a spiritual path and uh, so it's natural to want to do that and I think for me you know because I had this skill as a writer um, Mm -hmm. you know as I said after I started to meditate, I was able to think more clearly, and then it just came so easily to me, and I was able to express my thoughts on writing without any writer's block, and this didn't happen immediately, Mm -hmm. it happened over time, Mm -hmm. because all of these things develop gradually, it's a natural process, and so, um, you know, but within a few years, I just had no writer's block by the time I became an adult and had, you know, was writing as a career, and so all of my my work has been about, you know, like say, Ayurveda, which is about Preventive mm-hmm. health, helping people to to um, prevent disease uh, through through natural um, techniques like and, and methods like better diet, um, routines, mm-hmm. exercise, mm-hmm. yoga, meditation, all of those things. And then now this Ramayana is you know really giving more of a vision mm-hmm. of of what. Um, the, what an enlightened life could look like. And so all of these things, I, I just feel really compelled. I mean, I, I am also writing a novel which doesn't have anything, but even <laughs> it has a spiritual aspect. Even it has sure. a spiritual aspect. But I find that my purpose in life, my dharma, so to speak, if we want to talk about that mm-hmm. word, um, you know, is, is to, to share this knowledge with the world.
0: Very interesting. You wrote the fact that writing is like eating chocolate your pleasure (laughs) so do you use your writing to express yourself or basically perhaps to entertain and educate others
1: well that's that's a really really perceptive question about me um I think when I first started writing, I was totally writing. I was learned trained more as a journalist, first of all, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I, I mean, I learned. I have a degree in MA in professional writing, and that was more a little bit like you know writing in third person about, um, about you know like writing um, marketing materials or writing journalistic pieces, articles, and so I and I as a person, I because I am more of an introvert, I like. And I love to to hear other people's stories. I like writing about other people. I love interviewing other people and hearing their stories of enlightenment and you know growing to enlightenment. And um, but but uh, so I shied away from talking about myself for many many years. But um, as I as I have evolved and progressed, I've realized that that's an important part of the, my story. It's an important part. It's important thing for me to express myself as especially as a shy person, to to bring out my inner self to other people to 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 share that with other people and that's been a tremendous part of my own personal growth and my growth as a writer and uh, so more and more and more I'm inserting myself into um, you know like my articles, I'll start out with a personal anecdote, I just wrote the most personal story of my life that just got <laughs> uh, which is about my own journey as a writer and, uh, and, yeah. and this has been so really kind of uh, exhilarating and a really, a really important growth process for me as a writer and as a person
0: very interesting. I agree with you. Sometimes we tend to be introvert. And there are a couple of things for that as well, because number one, we don't like the limelight. But why don't we like the limelight? It could be because we are actually insecure in some ways, because we don't want to have the spotlight on us. And then not only that, the idea of being humble is not about us. The me is it's about you. <laughs> and so we get into this process of, the me, you, and so forth, but in understanding the dharma and karma and so forth, it is about me. It is about the humble me and the voyage of self-discovery
1: absolutely you said it so beautifully johnny and um i think for me it was both of those things you know that it was it was uh some insecurity definitely as a shy mm-hmm. child you know why am i shy you know there's something going on there and uh so as i have developed as you know in my spiritual practice I, you know this is as i said it's caused me to blossom also in my my life mm-hmm. and so you know i don't think anyone would think of me as shy now and uh you know but i still have you know that that what you were talking about, that humble mm-hmm. <laughs> thing, um, you know, where, you know, really I, I, I'm a giving person and I want mm-hmm. to p- have the limelight. Like, I, I love asking other people questions, you know, and for me to yeah. be the one answering all the questions, that was a huge shift for me, and mm-hmm. such as an interview like this. But, but you know, but as you're saying, <laughs> <laughs> as you're saying, though, really I am you, you are me, we are all, yeah. you know, I'm not level of the unified field we could say in, you in know, yeah. physics it 's a unified field, but what we that level of pure consciousness that we're, that you know that we 're experiencing in, in our, um, you know like i experienced through my TM practice inside mm-hmm. everybody it 's inside everybody on that level, we are all one, the differences have disappeared um, you know mm-hmm. a field of infinite correlation where these extreme opposites you me they they uh, us um all of those opposites have become unified and i am mm-hmm. you you are me we are all the same on that level and so mm-hmm. really so to 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 kind of not allow yourself to express yourself or to not glorify you know not allow yourself to 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 also share this this abundance of of inner life is it, it's kind of like it's really the same as Stopping someone else from doing that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Restricting yourself Mm -hmm. is the same as restricting someone else. So really we have to allow ourselves to blossom and uh, give ourselves the same kind of attention and and, uh, uh, respect that we would give anyone else.
0: (laughs) So true. What you're describing in your journey of personal enlightenment, basically you found the authentic you. That never changes since you were a child up to this point in your life. You're still humble you're still shy, and there's nothing wrong with that. There are periods of time the me becomes a you and the you becomes me and then ultimately you always speak from the heart and that's indicative of your writing of the beautiful book
1: oh Johnny that's so sweet. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that and and it is true. I am my essential me and and all of i think you know the growth the journey to enlightenment is. Just as you said, it's so beautifully. It's really about becoming our essential selves, the best of ourselves. That the, all those beautiful qualities, and it's not that we all become the same in any way. We all, in fact, and I think, as we grow. To enlightenment and we develop our consciousness, our individuality becomes even more pronounced. You know, what makes me different and, and gloriously different from someone else um, becomes even more uh, pronounced. But what, what also shines through is that universal self, those beautiful qualities mm. of, of self-confidence, of happiness, of joy, of bliss, and, and of, uh, you know, so the stresses are falling away. The negatives are mm. falling away, but the, 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 the positives are, are shining even more.
0: Very very interesting. As we get all the those beautiful innate skills that we have, we're born with, just got more refined.
1: Yes, I would say that. I would say absolutely. And so, as you're saying, you know, someone may be introverted. Well, there's nothing wrong with being introverted or humble. That's good, you know. But mm-hmm. but it's just that that maybe instead of being a, a negative it becomes a positive like we use that humility mm-hmm. to help other people instead of beating up on ourselves or something like that and we use you know that that introversion to to write books or something instead of mm-hmm. instead of sh- mm-hmm. thinking of it only as shying, you know instead of being a way to shy away for shrink from society it's you can still you can learn to connect with society but still use your introverted nature to go inward and and write books or do something that that is uh, requires that kind of an inward direction, and so it, it becomes a. As I was saying, you know, it, it, it's, it's as you said, it becomes more refined. That's a beautiful mm-hmm. way to say it.
0: That brings us to the word dharma, and of course, you mentioned karma. So, what is the dharma, and what is karma? <laughs>
1: Well, first, I think I could just answer karma easier. Um, mm-hmm. Karma is, you know, the action of uh, the, the law of action and reaction. It's there in the, our physical universe. And it's just that as we sow, so shall we reap. And so what we put out there it comes back to us and uh so it's a very it's it's an impersonal law it's it's infallible law it happens it's just not if if we if we do something positive we have to get the positive return from that if we do something negative or you know to hurt someone then that has to come back to us it's just it's there's no no disputing that but dharma uh Well, first of all, I would say uh, you know it might be different in the the Buddhist tradition than in the um mm-hmm. the, the um, Vedic tradition of India, and I'm going to speak from the Vedic tradition of India because that's what mm-hmm. I've studied and understand better and um so the, in the Ramayana, the Ramayana is very much a, a um, it's kind of a whole treatise on dharma in some ways. <laughs> By dharma, we mean, we mean um, you know, being in, in accord, in, in harmony with natural law, uh, with mm-hmm. the environment, with the flow of nature, with the evolutionary flow of life. We could think of dharma as a stream, stream of water, the river, mm-hmm. flowing in one direction to, to more and more fullness, more and more happiness. And um mm-hmm. so and in our individual Dharma, uh, if we uh, you know enter the river and flow with the river, if we flow with our universal Dharma in terms of more and more evolution and more and more positivity and progress, then it's life is easy life is is um, uh, you know it, we're just in that flow, but if we mm-hmm. resist, if we go against it, our own tendencies are are against what you know, out of harmony with nature, then it's like you know, trying to row the boat upstream. It's life's a struggle, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so I would say, dharma has both those qualities. You know, the universal dharma being in the flow of life, flow of nature, mm-hmm. evolutionary flow, but also that individual dharma. What is it that I should be doing in this life? And uh, you know, and and every day we we live our dharma, and uh, you know, we we want to, we always want to, you know, we want to be in harmony with. With our surroundings and bring bring happiness and and uh, joy to those around us and to ourselves.
0: Very interesting, and you're right about that because life has its own rhythm, for lack of a better term, and we have our own personal rhythm as well.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. That's a, that's a beautiful way to look at it. That life has its own rhythm. We have our own rhythm, and our rhythm can be in harmony with the the you know with life's rhythm and without uh but yet it can be our own personal you know unique rhythm but it can be mm. in harmony with with the rhythm of life itself and that's when you know that's the best of all worlds when we can express our unique selves our unique rhythm of life but still be in harmony with everything and everyone around us and with nature itself in harmony with nature itself
0: so true and this is quite interesting Don't go out there in the middle of the summer and try to make ice cream out in the open.
1: (laughs) It just don't work. But then again,
0: you want ice cream in the summertime, right? But it's not easy to make ice cream the old-fashioned way—that is, to churn it yourself in the of the summer. But uh, anyway, that would be difficult. (laughs) Yeah, just kidding about that. we can struggle
1: mm-hmm. in life or we can flow with it it's easier you know there are times when when uh you know certain actions are easier than other times times of day that's the whole ayurveda things mm-hmm. you know that there are certain times of day you know times of day to, times of night to sleep times of day to eat you mm-hmm. know and if we kind of go with that universal rhythm there the daily which is based on the circadian rhythms or the movement of the earth around the sun uh, you know mm-hmm. then then our lives are more our bodies become more in tune with nature and we feel have less sickness and we have greater health you know so that that's absolutely a really great example of why struggle why not go with the rhythms of nature
0: so true what inspired you and your co-author Kamuda Reddy to retell the story of the Ramayana. And I know that I'm pronouncing it the way I experienced it when I was growing up, and that's actually not correct because you're pronouncing it the Sanskrit way. So kind of explain to us on that place, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, so the Ramayana means, and that's the correct pronunciation, Ramayana. Mm-hmm. So it's the story or journey of Ram. Ayana meaning, journey, meaning meaning goings. So it's the goings or journey of Ram and uh so uh that's that's kind of the the way they pronounce it and how we got involved with the ramayana is um my co-author kumita reddy had the inspiration she grew up with the ramayana um in india she she uh you know first heard these stories while sitting on her grandmother's lap uh when she was 2 years old and first told us, you know, little stories, and then eventually she read the read it, and then, you know, and so children in India, like Kumara, they play the parts on the playground of these characters, Ram and Sita, Lakshman, and, you know, they see it enacted in, in plays, and, you know, on TV, there's a whole series since the 1980s, and, you know, it's mm-hmm. just so much embedded in the culture. So she had this idea. uh, Well, first of all, we had written three other books together. She's written many more books than I have, but she's an Ayurvedic physician as well as an MD, and uh, she was practicing. and She wanted some books that you know to educate her readers about, um, I mean, her patients about Ayurveda, which is the traditional healthcare system of India, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. a preventive healthcare system, sort of uh, traditional healthcare. In that, it's it's to India what Chinese medicine is to to the Chinese tradition, Mm -hmm. and. um, so anyway, so she wanted to, to educate her, reader, her, her, her patients. And so she had a, a, a number of writers uh, collaborating with her. I wrote three books with her, uh, For a Blissful Baby, which is about pregnancy and childbirth through Ayurveda, and, and Super Healthy Kids, which is you know, a parenting guide for, ki- for um, you know, a parent's guide to Maharishi Ayurveda. And uh, then in that book, we said, oh, um, you know, it's good for children to have uh, good role models. Very healthy for children to have good role models, you know, people they can look up to who are, you know, at a high level of consciousness, and um, and that they can aspire to that too. And so the Ramayana is that it provides these beautiful role models of people in higher states of consciousness. So she had the idea that we would retell the Ramayana and make it easier to read. So you know, it's like in translation, it would be three huge volumes. So this is an abridgment or a retelling, a shorter. Mm -hmm. But our idea was to maintain the the transcendental uh, feeling, the transcendence of the original, the sweetness of the original, the respect for the tradition, uh, and all the discussions of dharma, the wise, you know, kind of the wisdom of the Ramayana. But make it easy for people to read in our modern age.
0: It's very interesting because. You mentioned about the fact that it comes from so many volumes and there are many sort of interpretation of it or the way that people want to present. It's like a book. Everyone reads it differently. They have their own angle to everything. But what you present, these are fundamentally core principles that are involved with every culture or every religion, every spiritual philosophy out there. The nature of good versus evil. The values of what we, in the end, look for as a culture, as humans, and that's what is all compiled in this beautiful book.
1: Well, absolutely. That's uh, that's a beautiful way to say it. Thank you. Um, you know, that's why the you know the Ramayana, the themes of the Ramayana are universal, and uh, mm-hmm. that's you know why this this um, epic has remained. Evergreen, as Kumita likes to say, it's remained relevant throughout time um, because it's not a dusty old tome. It's not. It's mm-hmm. it's the o- You know, it's the oldest epic poem in the world, but it's not something that is just relegated to studying in um, you know ancient literature class in some mm-hmm. university. It's actually enjoyed and it's a living spiritual guide for over a billion people in India today and also people in uh you know uh, Nepal, Sri Lanka, Bali mm-hmm. and Thailand and and as you said in Malaysia and uh mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and it's also now it's becoming more and more known in the West as well. And uh, so, for these people, it's not a dusty old tome; it's something that they refer to daily. That's an intrinsic part of the culture. And as you said, it's because these these lessons and these these um, dilemmas that are presented in the Ramayana are the are. So uh, something we can relate to the, the dilemmas that every human being faces. Um, mm-hmm. We when, when Rama and Sita are separated, we feel the pangs of their separation. When um, you know Sita thinks that Rama has forgotten her and and you know because he can't find her when she's lo- mm-hmm. you know has been stolen away, she you know we we, we identify with those feelings. Um, you know, and also as you're saying, all the spiritual dilemmas—the that that mm-hmm. you know at the core of every culture. This is what the Ramayana pre- presents.
0: You ladies did the Valmiki's version. Who was Valmiki?
1: Well, um, Valmiki was an ancient seer. Uh, um, you know, one of the main seers or or sages or rishis of the mm-hmm. Vedic times, and uh, he wanted to know what is a perfect man? Or is there such a thing as a perfect man? Is there anyone on earth who is a perfect man? So the celestial sage Narada, who is also part of the, you know, big part of the Vedic tradition, he came and visited and he was, and probably in, he was asking Narada this question. So Narada told him about the Ramay about Rama and uh, that he, he was the perfect man. He had lived these ideals of perfection in life and, and so he started to tell him the story. And uh, Valmiki then was able to cognize all of the um, Ramayana story on the screen of his own awareness. He cognized it. He just saw it. He didn't, like, make this up. He saw it happening. And, um, and so he wrote it. Down, and he composed, or first, I don't think he wrote it down. That, that's wrong, because this was all an oral <laughs> tradition initially, and um, yeah. so so he he composed. I mean, he created it, and it was such a huge feat twenty four uh, thousand verses in perfect to meter, and that means in poetry, and so. Mm-hmm. That that is just such an, you know, it boggles the mind even to think about that, right? And uh, so he composed it and then, uh, uh, you know, and created this. And so for that, he is called the Adikavi, or the first poet, and the um, Ramayana is called the Arikavya or the first poem, the first epic poem.
0: You mentioned something very interesting just now in terms of storytelling, because in the old days, Everything is communicated through storytelling. Everything is oral. And that's something that comes back to full cycle because whether you are in the Western world or in the Asian world or in the Far East, back during times where there are no TVs, <laughs> no smartphones, we all bred break together. And there was a tremendous amount of time for us to really share stories about family, about life, about living about spirituality over a wonderful meal, and that sort of gotten away from us:
1: yeah, it's such a beautiful thing to tell stories They're around the fire at night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it, 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 is, it is it's such an important part of culture, as you're saying, because these stories such as the Ramayana, these great stories, uh, epics uh, you know could be told or just even part. Part of them, you know, each evening, some part of them, or something shared, mm-hmm. and and uh, and then also, you know, myths and things, uh, you know, these things that are the underpinnings of every culture could be shared in this way, and the the that way there would be a collective culture, uh, you know, a collective understanding of what what is right, what is wrong, what is highest, what is you know what is the highest dharma, and um, mm-hmm. you know the Ramayana was passed down. In certain families, you know, in in India, all of these Vedic texts are passed down orally. Even today, uh, mm-hmm. even though they've been written down as well, they are passed down from, from um, you know parent to child, father to son, um, through generations. And different families learn. I know um, uh, different families have the responsibility for different parts of the Vedic literature. Mm-hmm so mm-hmm. one family may do a certain veda while another family might do you know the some other part so um so it's passed down so it's still there it's still a living tradition today but that's in sanskrit you know in the sanskrit mm-hmm. uh language and uh not many people speak that in in even in india today so um mm-hmm. you know but there's a value just to listening to it 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 you know resonates with the physiology and has an effect but there's also a value of course to hearing these stories in your native language and Kumuda was just telling me that in India today there's this tradition still to this tradition um, that where they take an entire week the whole community will take an entire week um, and they will prepare for this by eating lightly and you know resting and purifying their physiologies uh, mm-hmm. you know to some kind of you know a massage or something. And so then, then they sit and they listen to the ramayana being chanted in Sanskrit and also being read aloud in in their native language, you know, mm-hmm. in their, their language. And she said they sit there day after day every week, and then they'll do some, you know, pujas or some other, um, you know, religious ceremonies to go with it. And then, and, you know, she said by the end of the week, um, everyone is transformed, completely transformed mm-hmm. And so, this is a cultural um, phenomenon that allows not only these stories to become deeply embedded in the awareness of the the children and the the young and old alike, everyone, but also to actually, um, you know, purify and and um, help the physiology to to grow and evolve. So, uh, I think that this is you know a tremendous uh, tremendous idea, you know, to continue this oral Mm -hmm. tradition even today.
0: You mentioned. Perfectly about the Ramayana being used as spiritual work. And interestingly enough, that's what I was alluding to in terms of family having conversations about storytelling. And the reason for that is because the core values of humankind, spiritualism, those kind of things, you can't really outsource it to the concept of modern school, so to speak. That's family. That's the quality time that family can bond together and enjoy the stories coming down from grandparents to parents and so forth. And these are stories that are evergreen, and it teaches everyone the true value of what it is like to be a human being.
1: Absolutely. And I think that one reason that these stories, the the Ramayana is so, Mm -hmm. you know, embedded in the, the, um, you know, in the culture of India, but, you know, more than maybe even other stories is because, uh, you know we identify with these characters with these mm-hmm. main figures. We identify with Rama and Sita, um, and Rama and Sita you know are thrilling to us because they do um, represent these highest values of human behavior and human spirituality. Mm-hmm. And they give us uh, a glimpse of what, you know, life can be like if we continue on our own journey of enlightenment. And I wondered if you want me to just read a little bit about the qualities of Rama. Could I, would that be a good idea? Yes. To share that? that Perfectly. With, uh, okay. So um, this is from the prologue of the book. Rama has controlled his mind, radiant, powerful, and resolute. Wise, eloquent, and glorious. He can easily destroy his enemies. The personification of integrity, he helps those who seek him out. Ever mindful of the good in others, he is generous and keeps his word. Pure and devoted to truth, he is adept at attaining samadhi, transcendental bliss. With a pleasing disposition, Rama inspires virtue in others. With a perfect memory, he knows the essential nature of the Veda. As rivers flow to the ocean, so the virtuous are devoted to Rama. Rama is delightful to gaze upon like the full moon, mighty like the ocean, firmly established in silence like the Himalaya. Like the earth, he is patient and devoted to the welfare of all.
0: Very interesting. Beautiful. How has your life been influenced by the Ramayana?
1: Well, I think that, um, this is a really good question, of course, uh, I think the Ramayana, you know, one reason that it's so powerful in terms of transforming people is that it takes this abstract idea of karma, you know, that we want to act in accord with mm-hmm. natural law, you know, spontaneously, spontaneous right action. We want to do the right thing. Um, and it it shows us through example after example after example, uh, you know how Rama and Sita interact. How Rama interacts with his father, with his brother, with his wife, with his his servants, with his uh, you know as a leader, as a ruler, um, you know as a uh, warrior, as a an, uh, friend, and as an enemy. Mm-hmm. And we see him in every single one of these situations. So it becomes like a concrete. Uh, it's really the concretized version of natural law. It's how how dharma is. Or, of Dharma, concretized version of Dharma, so it 's like how Dharma is played out in human relationships, so we learn a tremendous amount about our own lives. like for instance in, in how to to treat an an enemy <laughs> I, this, mm-hmm. um, one of the mm-hmm. most poignant parts of the Ramayana is at the end when um you know, Ram not at the end, but at the climax of the battle, when Ram has vanquished his enemy who has stolen Rama's wife, a de- this demon king, Ravana, this horrific demon, who has stolen, uh, uh, you know, Sita from Rama and kept her in captivity for a whole year. And Rama, you know, keeps saying, just return her to me and all will be forgiven. You know, he doesn't want to go to war. but you know, he's forced to, but, you know, Ravana is on the, the demon is on the path of Mm -hmm. destruction. So Ram is forced to, 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 you know, fight him and eventually vanquishes him. And then there's one of the most telling moments happens at the climax of the story when he finally destroys Ravana, his greatest enemy. And he's, but instead of like exulting in his, his great feat, he's quietly consoling Ravana's brother by saying, death quells all enmity. We have achieved our purpose. Perform his rites with honor, for he is as dear to me as he is to you. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, he's saying, you know, um, that 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 uh, he's he, from that level of unity where Rama is established in this higher level of consciousness. He's saying that every person is as dear to him as his own self, and he's showing us that, you know, how to treat everyone in our even our enemies with love, compassion, forgiveness, tolerance. Mm-hmm. And I think that all of, you know, for me, being involved in this work for 19 years, we actually started it 19 years ago, <laughs> um, you know, going deeply into it over and over and over again, it's really helped me to, you know, to bring those qualities to my mm-hmm. own awareness and to, to incorporate them in my own life. And uh, I think that, you know, it's it's just been a beautiful journey, uh, certainly. And uh, it's not only given me a vision of of what enlightened Mm -hmm. life is, but it's Mm -hmm. uh, helped me to develop that myself.
0: So true. It's very interesting when you look at life as it flows every day and the decisions that we have to make, we always look through two lenses, the lens of fear or the lens of love, and each will give you a different view. In this particular case, you have a choice. The interesting part about it is that each and every one of us do have A little seed of evil as well as a little seed of goodness in us which one do we nurture and nourish that will grow within us and the story in many ways is reflective upon us ourselves how do we nurture ourselves from that perspective and to see others as in us and that changes our perception of things in many ways
1: that's so beautiful what you just said because, as I said earlier, we are all Sita, we are all Rama in some sense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the fact is that we, as you say, we have these conflicting, we have these, these extreme opposites within us. Uh, you know, we also have Ravana within us. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the negative qualities, we all, um, you know, uh, because, inside, because you know, our, at our core we are transcendental consciousness, we are transcendental mm-hmm. bliss. But that field is a field of opposites. It contains everything, you know, it contains both good, bad, you know, everything, but in balance, it's containing it in balance. And so that's what I think, you know, what we're all striving for is not to eliminate anything that's part of life, because obviously the destructive aspect of life is important. We have to destroy uh, Mahesh Yogi, who's my um, teacher of TM, you know, who brought TM to the transcendental meditation to the West, he always uses this analogy that we have to destroy the the nature has to destroy the the bud before the flower can bloom. If, if, there were no, if there were no destructive uh, properties in, in our world, then, you know, <laughs> it would be a, a, mm-hmm. a terrible mess. I mean, you know, it would, mm-hmm. it, you know nothing could be created and, and uh, it would all be, you know, just uh, a mess. So, so the point is that we, we, you know, but the idea is to have these destructive qualities in balance in nature and in balance mm-hmm. in ourselves. And so that's what really the spiritual path is about: is is putting, mm-hmm. you know, our attention, allowing the the positive qualities to grow, so that the the um, the destructive qualities are still there, but they're in balance and they're working for the force of good. They're working mm-hmm. for evolution, for progress. And uh, that's what. And, and actually, the Ramayana gives a vision of that as well, of what mm-hmm. our of what society can be like when more people, when everyone is is enjoying. Uh, you know, uh, higher states of consciousness and more balance and freedom in life, and uh, it gives a very beautiful vision. Um, I don't know if you want me to 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 mention some of that or read some of that. Or... Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, it's very ahead. beautiful. At the, at the end of the Ramayan, uh, you know, Ram is able to establish this this kind of heaven on earth. Um, you know, because he's vanquished the forces of darkness, but he doesn't actually, you know, he doesn't eradicate them, he transforms them. And I think this is kind of the point that we're talking about here, is that through his wholeness, through his, uh, you know, every person that meets him, because he is so, such a, uh, a unified to uh, the totality of 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 um high, uh, you know of consciousness of higher states of consciousness he is in unity consciousness we could say he transforms everyone he meets and so he even transforms his enemies and so he he pl- he places the you know the of the demon kingdom he doesn't kill them all he just mm-hmm. you know stops them from you know he gets Sita back he vanquishes Ravana mm-hmm. but then the rest of the people he points a new head. Who you know is has positive qualities. Who is even though he's a demon, he's a high souled um, demon. <laughs> he has you know mm-hmm. and has helped Rom. So so he transforms every these these destructive qualities into something that is positive. And so mm-hmm. at the end of the Ramayana, he's you know established this reign in the reign of Rom. I'll just read a little. No woman was ever a widow. No one suffered from sickness or disease or old age. In the reign of Ram, there were no thieves, no calamities, no pain in childbirth, and no parents buried a child. In the reign of Ram, people lived a thousand years. No sorrow was known, nor poverty, nor fear of invasion or war. Justice and peace ruled the land. And then just this last verse, I'll just read because I think this is very important. In the reign of Ram, the seasons came on time. The trees never ceased to flower and bowed low with ripe fruit. The wind was soft and playful, and clouds gave plentiful rains. So even the nature, you know, this idea is if we become, if we come in balance, if our society is in balance, and if we treat nature with, with um, respect and with, uh, uh, with um, kindness and nurture nature, then nature will nurture us. All of these natural calamities can, can stop. Our society is in balance, and we have less stress
0: so true basically we live in a closed system you cannot create order without creating disorder somewhere else and likewise by creating disorder you will affect a perfectly ordered situation somewhere else the sooner we realize that as human beings as society community and so forth we can really have a different perspective about us living on this earth
1: well i think you're absolutely right that we Affect everything that we do, every thought that we have, even affects mm-hmm. everything else in the universe. It's like we are so all so intimately connected, and we're so mm-hmm. infinitely correlated. I mean, you know, physics tells us this that um, you know that yeah. that what what happens you know there's a blink on one part of the universe, and the, you know so and the other part of the universe blinks too. You know that the that we're all mm-hmm. connected. There's this interconnectivity. Uh, there's nothing outside of this system, as you said. Even though the universe is infinitely vast, it's hard to fathom. But um, mm-hmm. so what we do matters. What we think matters. What, how we cultivate our own awareness matters. And um, so that's why, you know, it's so important to to have a spiritual practice so that, you know, like, um, you know, I can only speak from my own experience. For I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, if I start to get tired, if I start to get stressed, the pressure of life, we all have pressures in this life. Um, you know, it's a demanding lifestyle. The modern lifestyle is very mm-hmm. demanding. Our attention is so much on activity and achieving and striving and and not even just for emotional or, or for the ego reasons, but just to survive. And mm-hmm. um, so many people are stressed today. Um, but if we can just you know, so so, we, and when we're stressed, obviously we're not at our best. Then, mm-hmm. then we might lash out, we might get angry, we might say something we regret later. We aren't aren't our our central selves then when we're covered with stress. So, you know, so for me, it's been so incredibly helpful to transcend twice a day to take this time to to meditate, mm-hmm. to and uh, the research shows, uh, the scientific research shows that that in this deep deep state of rest, stress is released, and then. And also, the mind is at a state of heightened alertness. uh, Actually, in a uh, a state of of, um, where uh, uh, there's a holistic functioning of the brain, and uh, Mm -hmm. so so you come out, and you not only have release this deep st- this stress is deeper because this rest is deeper than sleep even and so it's mm-hmm. releasing these deep rooted stresses that a night's sleep can't get rid of and so these mm-hmm. deep rooted stresses that are holding us back are, are are starting to to fade away every day as we meditate and come out and then and then also the mind is becoming more creative and clear so that we can can deal with our dilemmas and deal mm-hmm. with our problems in a more um, in a way that is is more beneficial to us and to everyone around us, we can figure out how to 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 uh, you know do something that 's in harmony with nature. Are we spontaneous and and the idea here is spontaneous because in our in the t m practice for me it 's not a matter of thinking about it it 's because mm-hmm. we always act spontaneously anyway we, you know we might have the best intentions, but we really act from you know where we 're at uh, where ourselves mm-hmm. is at. Uh, so uh, this is a spontaneous thing that spontaneously we are acting more and more and more in accord with nature and helping those around us and helping ourselves and creating a harmonious, positive uh, environment that is good for the whole world. And I just can't think of anything more important to do in our lives because, as you say, we are all connected. We, everything we think, do, and, and, and speak is affecting everyone else on this planet.
0: So true. How is this book, from an educator's standpoint of view, relevant to the
1: millennials? (laughs) Oh, that's a really good question. I have a a millennial in my family. Uh, One of them is probably too young to be considered a millennial exactly. But anyway, I have a niece, Karina. She's lovely. Um, And, uh, well, I think that, you know, young people are always. uh seeking i think young people are seeking they're seeking for a better way of life you know they they mm-hmm. see so clearly you know they often see so clearly the the kind of mistakes or patterns that the elders have gotten into <laughs> <laughs> that are not use- that are not useful. Uh, I know, you know that I'm just speaking from my own experience. When I was young, it was really easy to see, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that oh, that that's not really going to lead to much fulfillment, you know, there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that they see clearly. I think they're looking for a better way, and I think that you know the Ramayana gives a really positive vision of life, and I think the mm-hmm. millennials are looking for a positive vision. I also think that millennials, that particular generation. Are very family oriented, and uh, mm-hmm. they they and they're also very ecological. They're looking for mm-hmm. uh, you know to help the environment. They're very concerned about the environment, and the Ramayana is you know really showing us how to to create a uh, you know a respect for nature and bring about this change so that the rains come on time. <laughs> you know <laughs> the wind, winds are gentle. They you know all these things are happening, and. And I think that also as far as family, the Ramayana really gives us the message, the world is our, my family. The world mm-hmm. is my family. Because it's really showing how Ram in every situation, you know, whether he's meeting someone who is of a different species even, or a different race or um, someone who is of a, a much lower economic <laughs> status mm-hmm. or whatever, all these differences, he embraces them all. And, and transforms them to, you know, he, he treats everyone as his brother, as his sister, everyone he meets with kindness, compassion, love, forgiveness, tolerance. I think this is such an important message, and I think it's one that millennials really resonate with.
0: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And that same thoughts about how the millennials relate to the book, I'm sure will relate very well to the rest of the readers.
1: Yes. I think that these are universal values that everyone can relate to. Absolutely.
0: Wonderful. Where can someone go to buy your book, get more information about you, and keep up with your latest happenings?
1: Well, um, thank you for asking that. I have a website, www.lindaeganes.com. My name is a challenge. It's just the first part's easy, L-I-N-D-A, but the Eganes is E-G-E-N-E-S. So, lindaeganes.com. And... uh, and you can sign up for my newsletter. I can tell you you know more what's happening um, and also I have uh, there's a blog there so you can see my blog posts and most of those are about green and healthy things so also I'm writing articles about these these issues uh, these um, universal principles from the Romana now too so that we same kind of thing we've been discussing. You can go online yes. to buy my book. Uh, this book is published by Tartra Perigee, which is an imprint of Penguin Random, Random House. So it's available everywhere in uh, bookstores, anywhere. And also it's available online, of course, at Amazon and um, or Barnes & Noble, uh, etc. So basically it's easy to get.
0: Oh, wonderful. How has writing The Ramayana impacted you personally?
1: Well, I would say that I would say that through these 19 years that my life has really been transformed. And Mm -hmm. I think that I have become more and more expressive of myself, of my inner self, as we were talking earlier in this interview. Mm -hmm. I think that I have become more courageous in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I think that Mm -hmm. I have learned to choose love over fear, as you mentioned, that that dichotomy, Mm -hmm. that kind of dilemma Mm -hmm. that we all face every day between love and fear. I think I have chosen love more. I have chosen uh, I think that it's it's really um, reminded me every day of my own inner potential and of the beauty and uh inside every person and the mm-hmm. potential inside every person and uh, it's helped me during this election uh, mm-hmm. I, I know some of my friends uh, said that they were reading my, the Ramaya book, my Ramana book during the whole mm-hmm. night during the election. Uh, because mm-hmm. I think that you know we all need to 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 have this perspective, we all need to to think you know that every person is our brother, every person is as mm-hmm. dear to us as our own self, mm-hmm. um, you mm-hmm. know that we we want to to live these beautiful qualities, we want our nation to have harmony and to have to show tolerance and and love and forgiveness for everyone and so I think that, you know, the Ramayana gives us that vision. And I think it's Mm -hmm. something really precious to hold on to. It's helped me in in so many ways just to know that this is a possibility for human life. It's a possibility Mm -hmm. for all of us. And all we have to do is go inside ourselves and start to live it.
0: In the end, we all want happiness, security, and success for ourselves and our family.
1: That's right. That's right. And, and because the world is our family, we want that for everyone in this world, every precious person in this
0: world. That's correct. What is next for you?
1: <laughs> All right. So I I have had kind of an eclectic career because I you know my one of my first books was Visits with the Amish, Impressions of mm-hmm. the Plain Life, and that was um, published by the University of Iowa Press. It's a book about the Iowa Amish and Stories and that. So now, when I was doing that, that was also about 20 years ago. Um, I I came up with this, uh, you know, idea for a novel based on one of the the Amish girls I met, and so uh, that's gone through a lot of. Transformations, but it's almost done. It's it is done. I'm just revising it, and so I'm hoping, you know, to 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 segue into some novel writing and and get that published. It's a, a story of war and peace. Um, uh, the Amish, not today, you know, are no, known to be are, are very well respected, but during World War II in Iowa. Uh, you know it was mm-hmm. a difficult time for them because um, the, they are German with Germ- of German mm-hmm. descent and spoke German at home, but they are conscientious objectors they don 't believe in going mm-hmm. to wars against their religion, so they didn 't serve in the war, so they were the target of a lot of hatred and, and attacks and things mm-hmm. and but they treated you know they in turn though returned all that with forgiveness and love and so even though it 's not uh, a book from india it 's a spiritual book and um, so I want to tell this story, and uh, I hope I hope uh, you know that I can find a publisher and that it can can come come to light. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Very interesting. By the way, we're coming close to the end of the hour. Since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning?
1: Well, I was thinking about that uh, since you sent me the questions ahead of time. Thank you for that. Um, a recipe for living, um, I would say, is just try to, to main ba- maintain balance in your life. So much of life today is outward directed. So as we were mm-hmm. saying, as I was saying earlier, so much of is it is about being in action, performing, um, you know, making a living and measuring up and all that. And, and also we want to give to our families and all that. But we can't forget to nourish ourselves, our inner selves, because that is the source of all happiness and, and uh, giving and love and, and power and creativity and, and silence. It's all inside us. So whatever you do, take time every day to, to experience the, yourself, your essential nature, Of silence, bliss, and happiness every day. And then you'll find that your life will become even more and more and more beautiful and happy itself.
0: And of course, you have lived this for the last several years.
1: Uh, Last 45 years. (laughs) Can't beat that. (laughs) I've tried, and, as you said earlier, we're all on our own journey of evolution and and mm-hmm. and this has been my journey, and um, you know I'm really happy to share it with anyone who wants to hear more.
0: Very interesting. Any last thoughts about the book?
1: Well, I just think uh, it's 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 got something for everyone. It's been called uh, a a combination of the Bible of Star Wars and Romeo and Juliet, all rolled into one. It's a spiritual treatise, but it's a really good read. It's uh, got fantasy elements, flying monkeys, magical herbs, wise sages. It's got something for everyone.
0: Wonderful. Linda, thank you for the wonderful recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning. My guest will be Amy Newmark the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be discussing Chicken Soup's latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Joy of Christmas, 101 inspirational stories that will get you ready for the holidays. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Linda, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day.
1: Thank you, Donnie. I really, really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's been a true pleasure. Thank you again. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Getting lost in the music is great, except if you're driving. Nissan's available Intelligent Safety Shield technologies could help you avoid bad drivers. Hurry into your local Nissan store and get great offers during the Safety Today event or shop choose.nissan.com today. Now, back to the music. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the
1: weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Haha, in my dentist's office.